0: Hey, I'm Jeff Lynch, and I'm one of the pastors here at Compassion Church in beautiful Danville, Virginia. We love it that you have found us here online. Here's this week's message. Come on, church, let's give Jesus a round of applause here. Praise the Lord for what he's doing in this place. You can take a seat for just a moment there. We want to just welcome you back to church today. Man, this is cool what you guys are doing with the acoustic set. We're really enjoying that. Um, we're going we're gonna to ask our ushers to come forward. If our ushers are in place, you guys come on and get in, in place. We're going to receive our offering in just a moment. As they're getting in place and ready to, to do the offering, um, I just wanted to share something with you guys this morning. As I was uh, getting ready before the first service there, standing outside, Jackie comes to me and hands me uh, she hands me this, this envelope. And as I opened it up, um, the envelope was from someone who was in prison. And it was, a, it was a photocopied sheet of paper. And the, the, as I read the letter, the letter said, this is not the letter. As I read the letter, it said, I'm writing this, this letter and I'm sending it to several churches because I'm going to be getting out of prison soon. And I want to be able to worship. And I want to know where I'm going to be welcome. And so this person went through and was very transparent about saying that there's some things that I've done, and the things that I've been incarcerated for, I did these things. And if I read those things to you, some of you would be appalled by what this person said that they had done. Put yourself in that person's shoes. Made some bad decisions. Paid the price for what they had done. And now they're ready to get on with their life. And they are not looking to come to a place where where religious people are going to look down their nose at them. They want to know that the thing that God has done in me, that saved me, that's changed me, that I'm going to be able to go to a place when I get out of here and continue to worship. And I say that to you today, church, because when we receive this offering like we're getting ready to do, I really believe that God has brought us here to this place to be a church that's different in our community, in our city, online, throughout the world. And there are people, there are people all around us who don't care a thing in the world about church, but they are so excited about finding a place where they can be accepted and they can become everything that they want to be, everything that God wants them to be. And when we give to this offering week after week, you know what you're doing? You're investing in a ministry that says you belong here. You're investing in a ministry that says you matter. You're investing in a ministry that says no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, our great God loves you. In just a moment, I'm going to pray over this offering. But before we do, I want to read this to you. Because sometimes we come up here and we sing songs and we go from song one to song two and we do our polite little golf clap. Yeah, that's sweet. That's pretty. That's good. Guitar sounded good. I really like what that man is playing on that box back there. That's fun, whatever. But what about when the words of the song meet up with the thing that's going on inside of our hearts? And as I read these words to you in the second verse of this song that they're getting ready to sing, I think about this brother who sent us this letter and what he's going through. And yeah, he made some decisions, but he's proclaiming that God's changed things in his life. The second verse of this song that we're about to sing says, Who could imagine so great a mercy? Do you know what mercy is? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Anybody else here this morning who God did not give you what you deserve? Come, oh man. What heart could fathom such boundless grace? Grace is grace is God's gift. God has said, I look at you and I know your mess, I know your life, but I'm still gonna give you Jesus. I'm still gonna give you opportunities, I'm still gonna give you passion, I'm still gonna give you purpose. Even because who could fathom? And it says the God of ages stepped down from glory. And if you don't know him, his name is Jesus to wear my sin and to bear my shame. The cross is spoken. I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus, you are our living hope. And God, this morning, as we gather in this place, we are here to bring praise and glory and honor to you. Father, we are here because of the great price that you paid at the cross for us. We are here to worship your name with our voice, with our hearts, with our spirit. And Lord, as we, as we extend our worship to our giving, God, give us faith to believe that what we're investing in this ministry is going to go beyond the walls of this church and we are going to have the opportunity to influence people who are lost and sick and dying and living in lives of hell right now as they're living. God, we can be a part making positive change in people's lives, but it's only through you. As we receive this offering, God, we ask you to bless it, to multiply it, take it into dark places, and bring the light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can pass those baskets. Come on, let's stand and sing together.
1: down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken i am forgiven the king of kings
0: morning, people are waking up in places where they said they would never go. There are people waking up this morning thinking, I've said I will never do that, but this morning, there they are, and they just did that. There are people waking up this morning who have Said so many times, I'll never do that again. And last night, they did that again. And this morning, they're making promises to themselves, making promises to their families, making promises to God. I'll never do it again, but you know and I know they're gonna do it again. We're gonna do it again. You know why? Because they can't help it, because it's not up to them. You know why they're gonna do it again? because there's no one there who is going to help them to get out of the mess to not do it again. This morning, there are people who are lying in beds in hospitals, ICU rooms, intensive care. There are people that we know right now who are dealing with sicknesses. And yeah, we get around and we we feel for them and we say, let's pray for them. And if some of those people who are living, lying in some of those beds right now, could say to you, here's what I want you to pray. Some of those people would say to you, yeah, I want you to pray that I get well, but you don't understand this feeling that I have. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Some of you, over the past week, my guess is some of you know people who have lost people who were close to them in the last week anybody in this room been to a funeral in the last week sure have what am i telling you god is putting people in our lives and there are people who are broken and desperate and looking for that living hope that we sing about but what are we doing do we get so comfortable and going to church, oh yeah, this is the thing I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go to church. I go to church several weeks out of the month. Yeah, I give some money. And I'm in that group. I have been preaching at this church eight years now. Count it up. Just about every Sunday I preach at this church, no matter where we're located. Count it up. It's about 400 sermons. And I look beside all of us. And all of us have empty spaces beside of us. And all of us have people in our lives that we know that are struggling and hurting and broken and lost. And I just want to say to you today, church, I love you and I love coming to church and I love being your pastor. But I'm telling you, if the preaching has no power, if the preaching doesn't go beyond Sunday morning, then just tell me now. I'm not going to keep doing what I'm doing if what we're doing here doesn't translate into these streets. I'm not going to keep doing what I'm doing if we don't raise up an army of people who are compassionate about people who are struggling and lost and broken. And when I listen to that song, and Tim's singing that song, and I don't know exactly how it said it, but it said something about out of the darkness, the lion came roaring. That li- Picture that <coughs> snarling lion that rushes in when God's child is in danger and that that lion rushes in to rescue and to frighten away the darkness. God doesn't want us to go to church. God wants us to be the church. God wants us to step into hard places with compassion for His people and do things that no one else is doing because you know what everybody else is doing? The person who's struggling with addiction, the person who's just stepped across that line that they never thought they would step all over, you know what everybody else is doing? They're talking about that person. When are we going to step in to somebody's life and say, this is my brother and I'm gonna step in for him. When are we going to have the compassion that Jesus has for us? What does God expect from me? Yeah, that's right. That is where I started the last two weeks. Same question I've asked the last two weeks. Jeff, don't you know another Bible verse? Well, we had not got this one figured out yet. What does God expect from me? Very simple. He doesn't expect a whole lot from you. He expects everything from you. And in Matthew 28, Jesus answers the question: of what does he expect? Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority Jesus is getting ready to go back to the Father. He's already come into the world. He's died. He's given his life. He's paid the price. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And in that pause right there, what Jesus doesn't say is because the Father gave it to me, and now you have accepted me, and you're following me. Now You're not church people. I'm talking to people who are Christians, people who are followers of Jesus, people who laid down their lives. He's talking to his disciples, people who are following him. He says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And in the pause, what's not said is that because it's been given to me and because you are in me, when you accepted me, you accepted the blood of Jesus that covered me because you are in me. All authority has been given to you as well. What authority? Authority over sickness and disease and addiction and all of these things what are you telling me Jeff? What I'm telling you, some of y'all don't want to hear this you don't want to believe it, it's too radical for you but God is saying to some of us today that if you are in Christ Jesus has authority over COVID, Jesus has authority over cocaine, Jesus has authority over addiction, Jesus has authority over infidelity he has authority over all of it and the problem today is that we know people whose lives are wrecked by it and we go to church we go to church but do we go to that brother do we go to that sister in the name of Jesus taking one or two of our brothers or sisters along and say let's get you in the middle let's huddle up and pray I can't fix anything but I can take it to Jesus and Jesus has told me that he has authority to break the chains that's in your life wouldn't you just love to be a part of a generation that sees God do things like that in our world Why is he not doing it? Because we're not asking him to. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Then he says, therefore, because you have the authority to do all of these things, followers of Christ, because you have the authority to do these things, therefore, go. And it changed my life when I realized that in the original language, when he says, therefore, go. Listen. God's not telling you to quit your job and move to Africa. He's not telling you to go to your boss and say, I need 10 days to go to India. He's saying there's somebody that lives two houses down from you, and you know they're struggling in their marriage. She tells you about it all the time. You know that there's an addiction problem. You know that there's an issue, but you listen to it, and you just shake it. Oh, that's so sad. That's so sad. When are you going to speak? When are you going to share your story about when you were lost and somebody came to you? When are you going to tell them about this Jesus that changes lives? If you had the cure to cancer, would you not take it to people? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. What's a disciple? Jesus didn't go say go and, and get people to say a prayer. Jesus didn't say go and get people to jump into some water and be baptized. Those are good things. But being saved, being baptized is the process that gets you moving towards becoming a disciple. What's a disciple? Simply someone who is following Jesus. And when you're following Jesus, man, your life used to be taking you in a terrible direction. But when you get your feet on the path that leads you to stepping into the story that Jesus has written on your life, you get moving toward the passion and the purpose that he created you for. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all these things I've commanded you. What did Jesus command us? Well, didn't he command us to not cuss and not to drink alcohol and not to have... No, he didn't command you none of those things. That was Moses' deal. Moses said, don't do all of that stuff. Well, we tried that. Jesus would say, y'all tried that. That didn't work out too well. Y'all didn't do too hot at that, following all of those things. Jesus said, so since y'all can't do those things, I, perfect Jesus, came into this world. I went to the cross. I died. I paid my precious blood because you couldn't, so that in me, when the Father looks on me, he sees perfection. What does God command of us? Teaching them to obey all these things that I've commanded you. What's he commanded you? He said, yo, this God that's calling to your heart and setting you on fire, figure out who that is. Find that voice that's coming from God and fall in love with Him and let Him fill you up. And when He fills you, it's going to overflow out of you. Love God and let that overflow from you. Love the person who's in the prison. Let it love the person who's stuck on crack and can't get off of it right now. Let it cause you to love the person who's made decisions that's isolated them and marginalized them. What if the people of God looked more like Jesus than we look like the church? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all these things I've commanded. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You're not alone. Church, what is God calling us to? He's calling us to be light in a dark world. He's calling us to acknowledge that there is at least one person that we know that is struggling and is far from God. I'm not talking about being a judge. I'm not talking about condemning anybody. I'm talking about acknowledging the people in our lives that we know, man, they need help. I know one person that needs help. Do you know one person? Raise your hand if you know one person that needs, needs help, needs Jesus. Keep your hands up high. Raise them up. Now look at the seats beside you. Look at the seats behind you. Church isn't the answer, but when we get people to the place where God is, God has an opportunity to move. Father, as we step into your word this morning, we know that we're not alone and we ask you to do what only you can do. God, I have no words that I can say that can move one person to do anything, but you do and you can. Through this message this morning, Father, I ask you to do what only you can do. Ignite a fire, God, that's going to leave this place and set our world on fire for you, Jesus. Give us the heart. Give us the spirit. Give us the courage. Give us the tenacity. And give us the will. In your name, Jesus. Amen. The title of our message this morning is simply, Make Heaven Crowded. And yes, God can do that on his own without us. But the beautiful thing about this whole story is that he loves you and he is inviting you into this adventure to go to where people are who are far from him. Most of the time on a Sunday morning, I'm trying to connect with people who are far from God. Today's a little different because I'm talking to the church today. There's so many of us, man, that have had that encounter with God, that have been rescued and had our feet set on the path. And I just know in my spirit that God is shaking things. I don't think God is happy when His church is sitting by and watching people struggle. He can do it on His own, but He invites us into it. So the first thing I want you to hear this morning, if you're taking notes, write this down. People that need Jesus are drawn to the real Jesus. People that need Jesus are drawn to the real Jesus. A few Weeks ago, a lot of y'all know our story, man. Our house caught on fire a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, whatever it's been. And, and in, in, the, in the interim, while, from, from, from when the fire started to call in uh, 911, and then when those fire trucks started showing up, there was this space, there was this time. And in that time and in that space, while I'm standing there with a little puny do nothing water hose in my hand, fire's so hot I can't even put my thumb on it and get water to the fire as if that was gonna do something, right? I'm standing there watching our house with 40-foot flames coming out of the roof. And in the distance I could hear the sirens of fire trucks. Come on. Come on. Come on, you got to get here. Come on. People whose houses are on fire are excited to hear the sirens of the fire truck coming. And you know people in your life whose houses are on fire. You know people who are in a desperate place, and their life is a struggle. And they've made decision after decision after decision that has made such a mess of their family, of their career, of their health, of their future. But people who need Jesus are drawn to the real Jesus. And what I mean by the real Jesus is I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about the real the real Jesus. Look with me at Luke chapter 15. It's a chapter where pretty well-known chapter because in this same chapter we we read the story of the prodigal son, but before you get to that prodigal son in Luke 15, there's a couple of stories that Jesus tells, so I want to look at verses 1 through 7 today. Verses 1 and 2 of Luke 15 says, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I want you to notice two distinct groups in those couple of verses. The the tax collectors and the sinners. What did they do? They gathered around to hear Jesus. Tax collectors? Sinners? Tax collectors in Jesus' day If you remember from world history type things, all roads lead to Rome where the Roman army was traveling around the world conquering areas and the the, the region where Jesus lived had been conquered by the Romans and so the Romans were there. And when the Romans came into a a city, a town, a village, they imposed their taxes on that place and so they would extract money uh, from the people and that money would go to Rome. And in those places where the, the Romans would go, they would find people who were native to that land. So in this case, they would find Jews, and a lot of times it was disgruntled Jews, and they would say, you're going to be a tax collector. And so these people who were d- disgruntled Jews, they're mad at people because people have done ugly things to them. Well, this is my way to get back at you. The Romans would say, you have to collect this much tax from them. But while you got them, if you can get more, we don't care. And so these people who were Jewish people would take the tax from their own people. It was bad enough that they're giving their taxes to the Romans, but they would take more than the Romans said they had to take so that they could line their own pockets. And so the tax collectors were hated for that reason. But they sure did come to Jesus. And they listened to what he said. It says the tax collectors and and sinners... Now, we know that, that we're all sinners, right? All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. But y'all, come on now. Y'all know some people are sinners more than other people are sinners, right? There's sinners and then there's sinners, right? There are the people that, that when, when people look at it, they're like, man, that brother ain't ever done a good thing in his life. Always messing up something, trying to mess with people, been in trouble all his days. Yeah, those people and the tax collectors gathered around to hear what Jesus had to say. You know why? Because when people are desperate for change, when people need something that they can't find anywhere else, they go to Jesus. But look at the other group in this. It says there's another group, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Pharisees were the people in the Jewish uh, Jewish religion that they were kind of in charge of making sure all the people did all of the right things, follow the law of Moses, be good, godly people. Teachers of the law would have... They would have memorized tons and tons and tons of verses from Moses. They would have known what we call the first five books of the Bible. They would have memorized all of that. And they were snobs, and they were pious. And when they saw the tax collectors and the sinners, and then they saw Jesus, who was supposed to be a teacher, communing with them, they muttered amongst themselves, he eats with tax collectors and sinners? Yeah, he does. He sure does. Um. The tax collectors and sinners had no use for the people that Jesus cared about. And I wonder as the church, if we sometimes end up looking more like the tax collectors and sinners, or do we look more like the Pharisees and the teachers of the law? Which one do we look like? Because I know where Jesus went, and we should resemble Jesus. You have to ask yourself this question. People who I don't like? people who I don't approve of, people who are living marginalized lives, am I going to shove them away? Or am I going to lead them to Jesus? Change gears a minute. Have you you ever asked yourself this question, where is my child? Where is my child? Um, A couple weeks ago, Mamaw and Naomi, who was 12, and Jeff Lynch made a little road trip to Macy's in Greensboro, North Carolina. And when you're a country boy who grew up in the trailer park and you go to Macy's, that's a big old building, y'all. That is a big building. So, Memo wants to go to Macy's. That's her favorite place. We're going to take Memo shopping. Jackie's going to Montana. We go to Macy's, me and Memo and Naomi. And so we go in, and Memo goes to where Memo's clothes are. And I'm trying to keep an eye on her and helping her. And Naomi's 12. She's not four. She's not five. I can give her a little room. She can, you know, go explore, whatever. It's all good. It's all good. Kind of keeping my eye on her until Memo kind of gets locked in on some stuff. Got to help her. So we pick out what we need for Memo and then we, go, we go to the cash register to pay for the thing. We pay for it. Hey, Where's Naomi? I don't know, she's around here somewhere, let's go. So me and Mamaw, we start walking. That's a big old story, y'all. That is a big old story. We start walking, don't see her, don't see her. We come around the corner, the next corner, we about to get back to where we were and we don't see Naomi, where is she? Not panicked yet. Mamaw said, you don't think she would have gone up those escalators, do you? I think, oh, I absolutely know she would if she had had a chance. What are you talking about? I know she would. No, I don't think she went up there, Mamaw. Let's make one, let's go, let's walk around again. So we walk around that whole thing again. Mama was getting tired by this point, y'all. Second time around, it's starting to get on me a little bit because just a few days before that, I'd watch the news, and on the news, this this mama's walking down the street with her two daughters, car pulls up, er, stops. Man gets out of the car, runs around his car onto the sidewalk, grabs the mama's little girl, grabs her away from mama, runs back around the car, pushes the little girl into the parked car, and mama, thinking fast, I don't know how she did this, but thinking fast, she runs in, and she's like, "Um, uh, no, you're not taking my child, reaches through the window, grabs that baby, and pulls it back out. The man was taking the baby. So I got that on my mind right now. I'm like, oh, hey, I may not have but one good arm, but I will wing you. You are not messing with my little girl. You hear me? Up the escalators I go. I'm going up the escalators. I'm looking, you know, riding up those escalators. I'm like, I believe I can see over this whole place right here. Can't see no Naomi. I go up. I walk around the whole thing. I'm getting ready to come down. I'm starting to get in a panic. Where's my little girl? I come back down the escalators looking over the whole thing. And there's Naomi. And I walk up to her, and I wanted to just choke her little scrawny neck, but I didn't. Where is my child? Y'all, where is my child? Luke 15, verses 3 and 4. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? y'all we have seven children and four grandkids can i tell y'all in macy's i did not care where ben lynch was can i tell you that i didn't care where the other six were because naomi was lost didn't know where she was and right now in some of your lives You have people who are children of God. He calls them sheep in this picture, but really he's talking about his children, and he cares about them, and he has children who are part of your lives, and they're lost, and they're wandering, and I would have given anything in that moment if somebody would have said, yeah, 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 that little girl, she's right over there, but nobody pointed her to me, and I couldn't hear her because she wasn't crying out. She was just wandering. Do you get it that there are people in your life that are just wandering, and they're not crying out, but they're lost? And if somebody doesn't come to them, how are they going to find their way? Here's the next thing. It's different when it's someone you know. It's different when it's someone you know. You know what I'm talking about. You have been up late at night, and you're watching some show that you really love, and you are dead into that thing. Got you a popcorn, working on that popcorn it's late at night, and the commercial comes on, and you're like, man, why do they got to put that commercial on? And there's this precious little child in Ethiopia that hasn't eaten in a month, and its belly sticking out wide around the corners of its mouth, and they're talking to you about childhood malnutrition and poverty. I'm not making fun of that child at all. My heart goes out to that child, but where I'm going with this it's one thing when its name is poverty. It's one thing when its name is malnutrition. But it's another thing when its name is Naomi. When its name is your son, your daughter, your friend, someone you know. It's just different when you put a name on it. It becomes personal. Look at verses 5 and 6. Jesus continues. He says, hey, that sheep that was lost, that child that was lost, when he finds it, because it's personal, because he knows it, because it matters, because he's invested in this one. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And he goes home and he calls his friends. Hey, got it. I found her. She was, I, she was down at the creek messing. I got her. We all good. Calls his friends, neighbors. Says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. Do you notice in that he says, he says, when, when he finds it. It just goes so quickly when you read it, when he finds it. It's like, oh, that just took like three seconds to read that. But if you ever had someone in your life that that, that, that all year long you were praying about them because you knew they were in some mess, and Christmas came, and at Christmas your your heart was broken because you laid your eyes on them, and you could see how ravaged they were, and then the next year you were still praying for them, and Christmas came again, and you were thinking, man, I remember I was praying for them. Last year at Christmas, it don't look like nothing has changed, and I'm worried about it. And then another Christmas comes, and year after year after year goes by, and this person you're concerned about. And Jesus just says that when he finds him, like I found Naomi in five minutes, some of y'all have people in your lives that you have watched for, for, for decades. You've watched them. And you've seen the decisions and the choices that they don't need you to come preach to them. They don't need for you to come and tell them what a jacked up mess they are. They need you to love them. They need you to put an arm around them. They need you to share your story. He puts his arm around them. The point of all of this, how are we going to make heaven crowded if we don't care? Oh, well, we say we care. We say we care. I'm going to say it again. Eight years coming to, to this church, three different locations, and I preach, and I teach, and I think, here's what I know. There's some of you in this room who have listened to me for years that, that the things I'm talking about, you do these things. There's some of you here who see people who are in the ditch and you go and you meet with them and you help them and you love them and you pray for them. But here's a lot of people, y'all. If I'm serious, if if, if I'm honest, if preaching's not getting the wood hot, then what are we doing? Because there has to be a point where if we're going to make heaven crowded, there has to be a fire that started inside of us because we know what it's like to be lost and we know what it's like to be found and we can't stand by why God's children, our people, our friends, our community citizens, whatever it may be, while they remain lost. Verse 7, Jesus says, I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I thought about that this weekend. I have a friend, his name is Josh Hanna. Some of y'all have met Josh face to face personally. Others of you, if you've been baptized here as a part of Compassion Church, you've gone through the Grow class before baptism and you've met Josh through those Grow class videos. And in those videos for the Grow class, Josh is very transparent. And he talks about his life before he had an encounter with Jesus. And if you've sat through those, those videos, you know this is not me talking about my friend, this is him talking about him. And he tells things that We're a product of his life. He talks about how, if you've ever spent any time with Josh, he'll tell you, I didn't grow up in a church where where, where my family knew Jesus. And I didn't grow up with friends who knew Jesus. And and Josh will tell you about things that he's done in his life that, that, that he's not proud of, that he's repulsed by. But there was a day where one of Josh's friends said, I want you to go to church with me. Josh went to church with his friend that day, and when he went to church with his friend that day, he had an encounter with the living Savior. That lion came roaring out of the darkness into Josh's life and fought off all of hell and allowed him for the first time to hear the voice of the Savior that said, come out and follow me. And he gave his life to Jesus, and as a young man, he began doing the best he could to follow Jesus. Why am I telling you all of this? Because he's one person. One person cared enough to take him to church, and when he got to church, he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, he wanted to give his life to following Jesus. And so not long after that, Josh, who was a drug addict at the time, gave his life to Jesus, and he started going to church. Not long after that, he became the pastor of the church. Not long after he became the pastor of the church, the church was growing and growing and growing as he's figuring out things. And so so, so he starts another church that he's going to and preaching to in the evening time. And in the meantime, all of his friends that were, 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 were hooked on drugs and, and, and going to prison, all of these things, he starts talking to them about the Jesus he met. And now, I can take you to half a dozen of Josh's friends that I've met. Oh, you want to talk about his one friend? Where's his one friend? Well, he had his one friend that uh, was a meth dealer, and he blew up his house cooking meth. You know where he is right now? Right now, he's at his church preaching to that church. You want to talk about his other friend? His other friend uh, spent, I don't know, better part of a decade in prison because of, because of selling drugs and various other things. You know where he is now? He got out of prison, and that man now is one of the leaders of Hope Center Ministries. Hope Centers are started all over the world, and that man, he, he, he gets people into the Hope Center. He preaches to them. He teaches to them. Lives are being changed. Why am I telling you this? Does one person matter? The Josh Hannah that I would introduce you to today looks nothing like the Josh Hannah that Jesus met on that day. And I'm telling you this because the person that God put on your mind when you raised your hand and said, I know one person, they don't look right now like what they'll look like when Jesus gets hold of them. When they step into the story that God has written on their life, man, God's going to change some people. You know who he's going to do it through? He's going to do it through you. But he's only going to do it through you when you have the faith that says, I know where I was and a passion that comes from knowing who you were and what he brought you out of. And you say, God, nothing else in my life matters unless I'm flowing with you, unless I'm walking with you, unless I'm going in a direction where you fill me up. And then I go out into my day and you use me to let that Holy Spirit of God send his voice into dark places. God, I want to be the one. I'm not the hero. I'm just the guide. But God, if you'll let me. I will do my very best to guide people out of where they are. You say, Jeff, that all sounds good, but I don't know how to do that. How do I make heaven crowded? I want to give you five things real quick. Number one, learn what it really means to be really saved. If you are going to be a guide that leads people to Jesus, you can't can't be going to people telling them about a Jesus that you don't know anything about. You can't give people Sunday school Jesus when they're grown folks. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. You cannot keep on telling people, just say this prayer and be baptized and then go on back and live your life the way you've always lived it. That is not following Jesus. Now, that's part of it. I don't want to confuse you. you got to read the word, though. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the free gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. Grace, God gives that. Faith. I believe in you, Jesus. I want to give you my life. Jesus says, well, I want you to give me your life, but when you give it to me, you need to understand what you're doing. What am I doing? You're giving me everything. You're going to lay down your old life, and you're going to step into this new life, and you're going to follow me. We have to understand what it really means to be really saved because really being saved means I've died to my old self. If you said that prayer and been baptized, but you went back and you lived your life just like you did before, with you as the boss of your life, I doubt that you've really been saved. You say, come on now, you're stepping in my mess now. I don't mean to be. Yes, I do, I'm lying, I do mean to be. Because I love you and I care about you. I'm not your judge, I'm not trying to be your judge. I just know that there's a devil of hell that, that is subtle. And he wants to lull you to sleep in believing that you've checked off a couple of boxes and you can just go back and live your life. If you have not been transformed, radically changed, if your life doesn't look different, if you don't have a desire for the things of God, then are you in communication? Are you in connection with God? If you're going to make heaven crowded, you have to understand what it really means to be really saved. Jeff, I need more about that. I've already preached that message. If you missed week one of this series, go back and watch week one of Bubble Busters on on YouTube. You can go see that. Watch week two where we go through the Roman's Road of Salvation. I laid it all out there. A second thing, if you want to make heaven crowded, start or join a group to get equipped to be a disciple maker. Either start a group or join a group. Some of you who are here right now, you have everything that you need to be able to start a group And it's just a group where we have conversation about who God is, how we can love God, and then how we can go out into our world and live it out. It's that simple. Some of you can do that. You could could facilitate that group. Others of you who are here need to join a group. You know why? Because if that devil can keep you isolated, if he can keep you alone, if he can keep you from connecting with other believers, he's got you. He's got you. You need to be in a group where where you can share your struggles. You need to be in a group where you can be challenged if you're not living out the things of God in your life. Because God is calling us as a church. And this is what frustrates me, y'all. We have got to be more today, more like Jesus today than we were eight years ago. We can't keep on messing around with the same mess that we've messed around and be followers of Jesus. At some point, as followers of Jesus, we've got to become more like Him. And becoming more like Him means that we have a passion for the things that he has a passion for and that's lost people and until I start seeing people stepping in and saying yes I will lead that group help me to join that group I want to be on that team I want to make a difference if I don't see that happening if I don't see that happening then I have to ask myself this question what am I doing am I leading you effectively I very well may not be if you're hearing what I'm saying, and if what I'm saying is coming from the Lord like I think it is, he's going wh- he, to stoke some fires in some people to do some things of God. Start a group. Join a group. Number three, pray for God to send you divine encounters. Be careful with this one. Be careful with this one. You start praying for God to send you divine encounters, he may send some people in your life that don't look like Billy Graham. He may send some people into your life who has got some mess going on. What's a divine encounter? I got a friend. A lot of y'all know my friend, Sharon Henderson. Sharon was in here in the first service. She had a big time when I called her out. Back in the first year of this ministry, we had a, um, we had a ministry that met down on, on Patton Street, downtown. And, 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 and I asked my buddy, I said, I said, man. Uh, this is our office, but but we could use this office to, like, like we could do a ministry in the middle of the week. He said, yeah, I think it's a great idea. I said, what do people around here need? He said, walk out here on this front step with me. We, if you know where Patton Street is, right across from where Biscuitville used to be. He said, you see what I see? He said, there's like five or six steeples. Y'all been on Main Street. Y'all see the steeples, church after church. He said, you see all this? He said, we don't need another church. He said, what these people need in this community, he's one of them. He said, what we need is a place to belong. I said, I hear that, man. I hear that. That makes sense to me. I said, how do we do it? I don't know these people. You do. You know everybody in this community. You grew up here. He said, i tell you how we get to these people. There's a lady, her name's Sharon Henderson. And if you want these people in this community to know about what you got going on, tell Sharon. They'll know. And if y'all know Sharon Henderson, a truer word has never been spoken. Well... I'm not, I'm not sharing anything Sharon hasn't shared on her own. Sharon started coming to those meetings on Tuesday night where we would, we would sing, man, and we would tell stories about Jesus, and we would, we would have dinner together, and, and the people from our church was intermingling, and we were making great friends. And Sharon met Jesus at that place. At a divine encounter, God brought her to us. And Sharon will tell you that when she started coming to those, those meetings that she was in the streets, and she can tell y'all what that means. I'm not going to. But she knows where she was. And she met Jesus. And you can't keep that lady away from church right now. And she brings kids and she brings adults. What I'm telling you is, when you pray for God to bring you people, be ready for him to bring divine encounters. You say, how do I do that? It's the next thing. you got to be willing and ready to, to share your story. you got to be willing. you got to be ready to share your story. Because God's going to bring you divine encounters. Have y'all ever seen the Danville life-saving crew? Y'all seen those trucks out here, Danville life-saving crew? Do you think that somebody just has a heart attack and and somebody says, oh, so-and-so's having a heart attack. I need to call somebody. I wonder what Bradley's doing this morning. Bradley, somebody's having a heart attack. Could you go down there and help them? Not really. I don't know what to do about a heart attack. I hadn't really studied about that. People that are part of Danville Life Saving Crew, they have, they have spent time learning how to deal with things. They've invested in that deal. Man, those people have trucks. And they have people who are, uh, know everything about how to take care of someone. And they're sitting there waiting on the call to come in. They're ready. They're prepared. Does the church look like that? Or do we look like people are saying, eh, when's the next service? What's Jeff want us to come to now? We've got to get ourselves ready. We have to know the Scriptures. We have to be connected with people. We have to believe that we have authority from on high. And the last thing, trust the Holy Spirit to save lost sheep. God wants to use you, but you're not the hero in the story. And the beauty of that is you don't have to take on the ownership of saving everyone around you. God will use you, but it's up to him to save them. It's not up to you. I have had so many times where I've had conversations with people when I've shared the gospel and I've prayed with them and I've prayed after they left that God would save them. And and sometimes that happens and sometimes it didn't. But it's not up to me to save them. It's up to me to share my story. It's up to me to put my arm around them. It's up to me to pray with them. It's up to me to send them that text message. It's up to me to care about them. And when I do that, we're planting seeds all along the way. And in your life, it's up to you to be prepared, to step into the story. But it's up to the Holy Spirit to do the saving. And I know I'm coming at you a little hard today, but this is the last message in this series called Bubble Busters, where we're pushing all of us to get outside of our comfortable bubble and to see people who are lost. And I really, with everything in me, I don't know who's listening. I don't know whose heart's being set on fire right now, but with everything in me, I know that God dropped this message into my heart for today. And I believe that there's some of you who are not going to rest until you figure out how it is that you can step into the story that he's written on your life. Would you stand to your feet right now? Jesus. You have shown us the compassion that a shepherd has for lost sheep. You have modeled for us what it looks like to have compassion and to step into hard places. It's so much easier for the shepherd to stay out in the open, in the green pastures where 99 sheep are. No danger there. It's easy to get around. Everything's comfortable. And all of that would be great except for there is one child that's lost. And you know that child's name. And it's personal. And you have the ability to find that one and to rescue that one. And you have done it over and over. And Lord, right now, as people who bear your name, we're asking you, no, we're not asking you for anything. You've given us everything we need. We're we need. We're just saying to you, God. There are people in this room who are saying right now, God, I want to go. I want to share my story as I'm going. I want to take my part in making heaven crowded. And I may be a little bit intimidated by this. I may be a little uncertain. But I'm willing to step into the messes. And Lord, right now, For everyone who would say that to you, if you were standing face-to-face with them, and you were about to commission them to go out into the world to do this, if there's fear, God, I pray that you will replace that with faith. Lord, I believe that you want to send some of your people on a mission, and it starts today. We need you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, before we move forward from this place, it's not enough for me to just bring this to you and make you aware of it. You need a challenge, and I'm challenging each of you right now. You raised your hand saying there's someone you know. Maybe right now, today, you already know everything you need to know. Maybe you're already equipped to have that conversation, to step in, to call the person, to send the text, to go see them. Maybe you're already equipped, and if that's you, do it today. But if you're not prepared, if you're not equipped, if you're not ready, if you are a follower of Jesus and you need help, then I'm asking you, I'm begging you this week. Start talking to God. How do I get ready? Teach me. Show me. Show me the way. I'm telling you, every person in this room, even if you don't know how to do it, there's one thing that you can do. And that one thing you can do is you can, just like Josh Hanna's friend did, you can say, come to church with me. And I'm asking you right now, in this next week, that person that God's putting on your mind, give them the chance to come to church with you. Ask them. Bring them. I promise you, we are going to represent Jesus to them. We're going to make the introduction. It's up to them what they do from there. But it's not okay to do nothing.